Hi, and welcome to episode 63 of Walk to Work. So a couple of weeks ago, um, I uh, talked to uh, um, an Alexander teacher called Stephanie Buller uh, about her work with some world-class athletes and kind of discussing uh, how that works. Uh, so before we get to that, just to remind you, uh, Jess and I are starting weekly online blues classes check out my Facebook page uh, if you feel like you would be into that. Uh, probably they will be on Thursdays uh, in the evening, sort of 7, 8-ish p.m. Um, UK time slash European time. Um, yeah, so in this week's episode, uh, talking to Stephanie about how she thinks about the Alexander Technique uh, and how she started working with uh, world-class uh, rowers. This is our conversation. Hi, Stephanie. Hey, Greg. Thanks. How's it going? Very fine. I'm on vacation right now, so I'm very relaxed and I'm a bit excited and nervous to be on your podcast, which I'm yes. listening to from like the very beginning. So, oh, that, that's one of the ways we, one of the reasons we connected. Yeah. Uh, I'm always excited that people actually listen to podcasts. <laughs> I'm a little bit surprised. I'm not quite sure why, because I believe it in it a lot. And people are like, hey, Greg, I listen to your podcast. And I'm like, you do? Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. Uh, I'm so really excited for you to join us uh, today. I've talked quite a bit uh, about um, Alexander Technique. Um, and you're uh, an Alexander Technique practitioner. Tell us a bit about, about yourself and about that. Uh, yeah, I live in uh, Germany. I'm an Alexander Technique teacher or practitioner, as you said. And um, I'm <laughs> doing this for the last mm, 15 years now, I think. And it all started with me having had a lot of injuries during my life. And I went to this Alexander Technique workshop and um, it was quite a revelation for me. And from that moment on, I said, okay, if this is work this is a job people can do this is possible so i want to do this i want to train as a teacher and um, it turned out that i can do very well with very ambitious people who want to either um, achieve extreme successes for example as athletes or as musicians on stage um, or that have very difficult situations without having chosen them so for example if you have been injured or if you have a dream of something you want to do in your life but you uh, movement wise um, but you feel you have just only obstacles i'm helping and supporting these people to achieve what they want to achieve mm. and is that something you realize early on that would be a thing that you that you'd be uh, particularly good at uh it was actually the opposite. I thought I was quite an Alexander Technique failure because it has a lot to do with slowing down, making conscious decisions, inhibiting your normal ways of reacting. To example. Um, and there's this concept of end gaining that means that you want to reach a goal without thinking about how you actually want to reach it. Mm -hmm. um, and I was 
and that's a like a bad thing in Alexander Technique. This is what you don't want. You want to ha have an idea of, yes, you have an intention to do something, but you want to be looking at the way you do this thing. And I felt like I'm just too end gaining. I want too much. I'm too ambitious. And uh, it took me like maybe 10 years to figure out that I can have a lot of ambitions and energy and really wanting to thrive in certain areas without being classically end gaining because um, yeah it's just my my way of being that I'm not the very like meditative silent <laughs> in the here and now person that's just not and that it's okay to be like this too so it's... And I think this is why I can connect very well to, for example, athletes or people who really want to. Mm -hmm. So it's relating to people who have this similar big ambition uh, that mm -hmm. is maybe at risk of getting them carried away and, and gaining, but that you, you know how to, how to talk to that. Exactly. And I know that if you really have a desire to reach something, uh, I... I can empathize very well with this. I'm even willing to hurt myself. I'm willing to um, uh, to not respect boundaries or to extend my boundaries. Um, that the goal is more important, for example, than my health. Because mm. I just want it. I just go for it. And um, if I hurt myself on my way, that's just part of the game. Okay, you cannot be an Olympic champion without at in a way misusing your organism um, and I did this myself in my former job so I was the my way of being ambitious wasn't the healthy way of being ambitious and so now I'm trying to support other people to say okay let's find some integrity for your whole organism so that you still or that you reach what you want to achieve and be well in your own body and healthy for the future as well. Mm. So I know that you work with uh, some uh, world-class uh, level uh, athletes. Uh, I want to get to that in a, in a second. Uh, but if mm -hmm. we, we back up, you talked so about um, end gaining. Um, what's the short description of, of Alexander Technique for you? Or relatively short. Thanks for the relatively short. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is what I think all Alexander Technique teachers um, have some. Uh, we, we find answers to these questions uh, every day new. For me right now, the Alexander Technique is a framework um, on how you're thinking, your intention and your body your physical self relate to each other and within this framework there are certain principles in order to um, for example achieve a certain ease a certain balance a certain good coordination um, if you wish a good performance in the end and you can use this framework to it's like a compass basically about how you live with your own Body. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, maybe a compass or a framework is a good des description. Um, 
and so uh, I think I've talked about principles of uh, basically uh, inhibiting direction, um, mm -hmm. and that's about uh, and probably thinking uh, holistically about your body or maybe about your mind body as opposed to thinking about individual parts. Uh, is that the way you also think of that framework? That's the that's the compass. Um, yes, definitely. And for me, my north, <laughs> my north pole in this framework is the holistic mm -hmm. thinking. And there's the saying of Alexander himself that if you stop doing the wrong, the right thing will do itself. Um, that's questionable. But what I like about it is that um, there's inherent in our organism is a kind of self-organization. So for example, if I, um, I don't know, I lift a heavy weight, for example, of a few kilos, my nervous system will distribute this weight in a way that it works and that I don't fall over. Mm -hmm. And it does it without me um, having to coordinate it to consciously think about it. It's just there. It's a built-in feature in a human organism. Uh, but what I can do is, for example, if I squeeze my butt before I lift the weight, I make it much harder for this inherent system mm -hmm. to balance my body. So we do this thing of seeing where do I unconsciously make it harder for my organism to achieve what I want. Right. Uh, and so we're, we're noticing these things that, that make things harder and we're like, Let's stop doing that and the body will figure the rest out on its own. Exactly. What if, what would it be like if I wouldn't squeeze, clench my teeth before the next turn? How would it be like if I, um, whatever, uh, had an idea of sensing the whole space around me before I jump? Um, what if? So we're, we're asking this Let's see what would happen if we let the body alone figure out. We give it an intention. So I have, if I want to in dance, maybe I want to spin. I have an idea of how I want to do the turn and how I want to spin. Um, and then I provide my organism what it needs. But then I let my nervous system figure out how to do the turn. Mm. And normally that works much better than when I interfere with too much technique or stuff. Yeah. So I, I think that relates to conversations we've had in the past um, where more maybe than other uh, Alexander teachers that I've talked to, um, or maybe equally and just they haven't felt that that was the thing useful to talk to me about, uh, you tap into this kind of sense of curiosity and wonder. Mm -hmm. um, both kind of wonder, oh, it's marvelous, but also the, the wonder, I wonder what would happen if we did that instead of this. Exactly. And it's, um, it's a workaround to get my ambitious, structured, logical, strategical thinking out of the way. <laughs> because that's basically the thing that's um, keeping my whole system from doing what it wants to do is that I have so many preconceived ideas and what if questions are just basically a teaching tool 
to work around my preconceived ideas to say, okay, let's be open to something where I have no idea about. And there's so much more in the world that are possible than I have in my brain. Mm. So opening to new possibilities just opens up my possibilities of movement. I think that's a Shakespeare quote, right? I don't know. Uh, there, there are so, <laughs> there are so many more wonders uh, in the world than exist in your conception. I'm not, I, I can't quite remember who quoted that, but I feel like it's a famous quote. Um, so you, you have to not have this preconceived idea in your head or you have to maybe accept that this preconceived idea in your head uh, is not serving you well. Mm-hmm. How does that work when uh, working kind of with elite athletes who have this sort of there is perfect form and you must do everything with perfect form? Um, that's basically the, the tricky bit. And for me, the, the most fun challenge to, um, to build a situation with the athlete where he or she is willing to open their mindset a little bit um, further because like the normal mindset is basically more is more. Um, And you have very stereotyped ideas of how a movement has to be like in order to be correct. For example, with rowers, you have the, this thing of the perfect stroke. So mm-hmm. there's a, they, they are chasing the perfect stroke all the time. If you ask, okay, what's that like? It's very hard to get a specific answer. <laughs> um, so that's a very strict mindset and they are very successful with this mindset. And the thing where I can enter is that sometimes people make the experience that, for example, with an, at, the other athlete looks so much more fluent. He or she is so much easier. Or I mm. work so hard, but this person wins the world record and looks easy doing it. Um, or they have this flow moments where they realize I bring my highest performance without completely exhausting myself. Um, and when I can give them ideas how to easier, easier, easier <laughs> access this like extra thing where they notice there's something bigger than just working hard and that this is not sheer luck, but you can actually set, set up situations and factors in order to make it more likely to get into this flow states, for example. Um, that's sometimes some just don't want to work with me and that's okay too. <laughs> <laughs> and some know that they, although they work as hard that, as they can, they still feel they don't reach their full potential and they don't know why. And if you come to a place to say, okay, what if we do a little bit less here? That's, um, uh, a difficult thing to think, but if they can think it, they can do it, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I used to, to, to do a lot of alpine ski racing and train quite mm-hmm. hard for that. And uh, you just sound like a crazy person to me. Uh, how did you start working with athletes? Uh, 
Good question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and how, how did you like plant these these seeds? Like, I can also imagine you talking to uh, my coach and being like, "So, uh, I think if you try a little bit less and do it slightly differently," and they'd be like, "No, no, no. What, what do you mean slightly differently? I've been expl- I, we've been going through videos of this, and I've been saying you have to do this differently, this differently. Mm-hmm. Don't you come tell me my job?" Yeah. Right. Um, hmm. so it started with, I worked with a young man who had a knee problem for a weekend and he went back home and his, his mother, who was a rowing coach, which I didn't know, saw him after a weekend coming back and he <laughs> saw that he's like a few centimeters taller and moving differently. And she like <laughs> extrapolated to, okay, if this is the change within three days in my non-athletic son, what would this change mean for an elite athlete? And then mm. I made a project with a young athlete in the town where I lived at that time, who was like in the middle, like not high-end athlete, but um, what do you say? Varsity level, I think is the American term for it, like university level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I documented everything like for every lesson I taught him I wrote protocols for two hours like I said to him this and that then he moved like this and that then he thought and then he answered and, like, I wrote everything down and uh, the result was very amazing and I was allowed to publish it in the rowing magazine mm-hmm. um, and he literally said to me you're turning everything I knew about rowing upside down that was basically what he said. Um, How much did you know about rowing at that point? Me? How I didn't yeah. know. Um, I went with this rowing coach for two days into a rowing boat because it's very weird. They're going backwards and the movement is very complicated <laughs> uh-huh. um, because I wanted to have a feel. And this is not... It's better for me if I don't have a lot of knowledge because then there's not so much knowledge standing in my way. And this is what I tell coaches too, is that I can only have some ideas because I don't know about your sport. Mm. So are are you worried that you're increasingly knowing more and more and that that's going to get in your way? Uh, Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, And I'm trying to trick myself. For example, that I deliberately there are certain terms for how they call the the skulls and the blades. And um, I try to use, to not use specific terms. And then they always say, she has no idea about rowing. And I'm just like extra saying the wrong words. And I'm (laughs) in conversation with, with, with coaches especially i'm um like really extra using wrong words and and making myself more stupid (laughs) than i am yeah it's true (laughs) but it works because then they think they have to teach me Mm -hmm. as they teach me i get a lot of information on how they think about the move the movement Mm -hmm. um and they don't feel, um, I have to be very aware to not come into a competition mode with a coach. Mm-hmm. 
very clear that the coach is the competence, the head of competence <laughs> together with the athlete. Um, and I'm serving them. I'm not competing. I'm not the rowing coach. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so it means that also every time you work with someone new, it's a completely new experience because there's very little of your previous experience in terms of specifically of rowing that you can or want to bring into that new relationship. Of course, I bring my experience into the relationship because the more you see, the more yeah, experience or resources I have. I just get more and more idea. I've tried, tried a lot of things and I know some things work and some things don't. Um, but every person is a new character and has new ideas and it's their body and it's their movement and it's their um, ambition. Mm. It's, um, I'm serving them in achieving what they want. So I'm trying to use the words they use to um, tune in to the person and get into their movement world. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, and what, what I wanted to say, but coming back to how do I deal with the coaches? There was an um, annual meeting of the most important rowing coaches in Germany. And I was invited to give a talk. And that was really challenging because I had all this like, don't tell me, you have no idea about rowing. So what do you want to tell us here? Mm. And the moment it clicked was when I had one of the coaches sitting on the floor with my hands under his butt. (laughs) Uh, Ridiculous. And um, in a way, legendary, to be honest. Um, And I worked with my hands with his pelvic floor. Um, And all the coaches saw immediately how his, his whole posture changed. And he became very silent. And suddenly said, okay, wow, this is like what I always want to teach my athlete. And I always tell him, but he never really gets it. (laughs) Like having your hands under my butt. And this is exactly what I'm aiming for. And this is the level where we are now at. He tells me what he wants his athlete to be better at. I do something to prove him that I really got what he means. And then he says, yeah, yeah, just do it. Just do it. Do it. Do it your way. <laughs> and so this is the, the speaking terms where we're now. And that's a great amount of trust, actually, they have in me. Uh, and so you're working, uh, you're working with this uh, um, uh, varsity level uh, athlete you publish in a, in a, in a journal. Mm-hmm. Uh, of, of, of rowing uh, and then what happens um, the rowing world is pretty small everyone knows kind of everyone and this particular rower was uh, a buddy do you say this a buddy of yeah, yeah. Um, Nico Stahlberg who is a Swiss elite rower and uh, so I contacted him and I worked with Nico on a very special movement thing um, online just via Skype and um, he said it helped him and it looked like it helped him so the coach uh, invited me to go to Switzerland and work with the whole team uh-huh. um, and 
but maybe the breakthrough was this um, annual meeting of the rowing coaches because it was just clear here's everyone from whole Germany involved in rowing. So if you mess up this meeting, you can just switch to another field and just stop working with rowers. And that went well. And since that, um, I repeatedly get requested, sometimes more, sometimes less. Mm -hmm. And we have uh, the, just watch the World Championships next weekend, Saturday. The World Championships are starting. Oh, no, uh, we're going to miss it because I think this is going to go out in about three weeks. <laughs> hmm. I'll watch it. Everyone else can go look at the YouTubes. Okay. Yeah, and you have the on on the world rowing side. You can see all the all the races and yeah. So sorry to break off on a bit of a cliffhanger there. Um, so just kidding. Uh, the rower that uh, Stephanie uh, works with uh, is Jason Osborne, uh, among other rowers that she works with. Uh, but Jason Osborne and his partner are currently European champions. Uh, they were undefeated this season until the World Championships where they qualified for the Tokyo Olympics and came in third. Um, which, because uh, they had really high expectations going in, uh, a little bit of a disappointment. But uh, yeah, most people would probably be quite happy uh, with third at the World Championships. And I think they were pretty delighted uh, with that performance as well, uh, as uh, is Stephanie, something to be really proud of. Um, one thing that we discussed with Stephanie during uh, prepping uh, this uh, this recording, um, she she was saying how uh, rowers and elite athlete athletes go around like spending all their time chasing uh, this perfect stroke. You have this image in the head of the perfect version of the movement. Um, what Stephanie pointed out is while you're doing that, you're missing thousands and thousands of pretty good strokes um like they're not perfect but they're pretty decent um and there's something to enjoy about them and there's something i think to notice about them and to kind of get the most out of those rather than chasing uh, a perfection that you'll never reach so kind of that's my my question for you for to think about for today um hit me up in the comments or direct messages or catch me at an event somewhere um like, yeah, what is the perfect thing that you're chasing? Uh, and are you actually doing a pretty decent, albeit imperfect version of that thing every single day? Uh, yeah. Let me know uh, if that thought helps you. Uh, I will talk to you, see you next week until then for the second part of uh, the conversation with Stephanie. And until then, take care.